Basketball Society. What's up, everybody? This is Alex Fishbein back again with the Atlantic Files. We are on episode number 52. And if you didn't catch last week's episode, really all we talked about was the two teams in the playoffs. We talked about the Toronto Raptors. We talked about the Boston Celtics. And then we talked a little bit about uh, the New York Knicks um, and what's going on with them. So if you didn't check out the last one, you can, you can like hit the hit hit the pause button real quick and then go back and then you know do that then this you you get it anyway um hope you guys like the new intro music that's brand new that's fresh we're going to keep rolling with that from here on out and so let's jump into the new week's episode so um even though they're eliminated they are still one of the Atlantic's playoff teams let's talk about the Toronto Raptors here so they got past the Milwaukee Bucks. They, you know, it, it was a little shaky at times facing Milwaukee, and rightfully so. Milwaukee is a solid team. They're a young and up-and-coming team. You got guys like Giannis. You got Chris Middleton. You have uh, Brogdon. And then one of the guys who didn't play, you still have Jabari Parker. So they still have potential. Um, but for the Raptors, this was a postseason that they really needed to prove something. They really needed to show that with the additions of um, Serge Ibaka, with the addition of P.J. Tucker, and throwing those guys into the mix with their already core, their their core set as Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, um, Jonas Valanciunas and Norman Powell and Damari Carroll. So they really needed to show that, you know, there there wasn't a reason to blow this team up. They needed to show that they they may only need one or two more pieces. Well, they didn't exactly show that. Um, n- not really at all. Because they got swept pretty easily by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, nobody expected them to beat Cleveland. Nobody really... I mean, some people had it going seven. Um, I said it was going to go at least five. Uh, I thought, you know, maybe Toronto would get one at home when maybe Cleveland was, you know, not having a great shooting night. But LeBron is in full beast mode. I mean, like, full 110% beast mode. This guy is insane right now, and as long as the Cavs keep getting this amount of rest that they're getting from the sweeps in their series, there's no reason to think that LeBron will stop this kind of crazy production. I mean, he's averaging like 42 minutes a game, and that's okay because he's only playing four games per series so far. So he plays those four games... Then he sits around, you know, like gets his body ready, uh, you know, gets his stretches in, gets his his ice baths in, and he just waits for the next series. 
And he even said himself he's got nothing to prove for this next coming series. He doesn't care who he faces. They're going to go at them no matter what. And so for a Raptors team who is still trying to prove themselves, still trying to show everyone their identity and show them are they a contender or are they a pretender? Well, they are quite the pretender. And so now that they have been swept, now that DeRozan came out with that obviously sarcastic statement saying that, oh, if we had LeBron, we would win too. Um, and, and really quick talking about that, so many people blew that out of proportion. I mean, so many people blew that out of proportion. He was being sarcastic. It's pretty obvious that he's being sarcastic. The guy was like, you know, what you what could have you have done better? And he's just like, well, you know, maybe if we had LeBron, we would win. It's He was not saying like, oh, yeah, LeBron, come to our team. Oh, I need to play with LeBron. No, people are, are sitting there saying like, oh, this is sad. These guys are soft, blah, blah, blah. No, he was being sarcastic. He was not being serious. He was not saying... Yeah, maybe if we had LeBron, yeah, let's get LeBron. Okay, uh, if we don't get LeBron, maybe I'll go join LeBron. No, nobody was saying that. And the matter of the fact is, everybody knows that that statement is correct. Because no matter what team LeBron is on, that team has a chance to win. That team has a chance to go to the finals and even win the finals just because LeBron is on the team. And so, if you do want to take this statement seriously... You gotta, you gotta admit the fact that he's not wrong. Anyway, moving on. So, as I was saying, with this whole sweep, um, th- th- this offseason is going to be very, very important. It's going to really show us, is Toronto going to try and keep the band together? Or are they going to kind of just try and like rebuild on the fly and swap out supporting casts because they have one main piece who may be hitting the free agency market and not coming back to Toronto in Kyle Lowry. We have seen him say that he wants a ring. He wants to compete. He wants to try and get a championship. And if that is his main goal, if, if, He's not trying to chase the money. If he's chasing the chance at a championship, Toronto is not the place to do it. Toronto's the place to stay if you want to get some money and if you want to, you know, still be a like uh top team in the conference but not really have a chance at a ring and not really have a chance at coming out of the East because as long as LeBron's on the East, And as long as LeBron's not on your team, you don't have that great of a chance. And a lot of people really talk about it and say like, oh, the East is weak. The East is this. The East is that. Well, the matter, the the fact of the matter is that these players don't want to go to the East because they want a chance to get to the finals. Because these players know if they come to the East, they have to face LeBron earlier. And we're talking about a guy that has made seven straight finals trips. We're talking about a guy that really hasn't missed the playoffs in like a decade. We're talking about someone who has who carried the two thousands. Sorry, what was two thousand seven? 
Cavs to the finals by himself, that team without LeBron would have not even made the playoffs, let alone make the finals. So these these superstars, these guys know that their prime is lining up with LeBron's prime. And if you don't want to waste your prime, then you don't want to go to the East. You just don't. And yes, these guys want to compete. Everyone's saying like, oh, they're not competitive. They're soft. They they don't want to go and like and and you know bang against LeBron's team and try and knock them out. It's not that they're not competitive. It's that they they're playing a game of probability. And there's been many tweets that have shown there's been like six, seven teams in the West to go to the finals in the last decade or so. Whereas in the East, it's been LeBron. LeBron's team for the last six, seven years. And then the other, the, the there was like maybe like two other teams for the rest of that decade. So, when you look at that, if you're playing this game of probabilities, if you want the best chance at getting to the finals and having the best chance of getting a ring, you're going to go west. And people are like, oh, the west? The west isn't easy to get out of? I'm not saying it's easy. No one is saying it's easy. It's never easy in general to get to the finals. But if you're playing the probability game, you're more likely to get there in the West than you are in the East. And with that being said, Kyle Lowry probably isn't going to want to stay in Toronto. That's just, from everything I just said, that's just the obvious outcome here. And the thing for Toronto is that they're going to have to fill a huge void if Lowry does leave. Lowry has been more important to Toronto's success than DeMar DeRozan. One of their best lineups the last couple seasons has always been that bench plus Lowry lineup with DeRozan on the bench. Lowry's the better defender. Lowry's the better distributor. The better three-point shooter. And this past season, Lowry had 10 win shares compared to DeRozan's 9. You go to last season, Kyle Lowry had 11.6, DeRozan had 9.9. The season before, Lowry had 7.1 win shares, DeRozan had 4. Lowry's the only person on the Raptors that averages over 4 assists per game. And he's averaging, or he usually averages around like 7 or 8. So even that, like, that's not that much. But the only person on the team that averages over four. So if Kyle Lowry wants to win a ring, Toronto has to either pull off some kind of crazy wizardry and bring over some kind of superstar and then re-sign Lowry. Or they'll have to go after a different superstar and let Lowry walk. But the thing is, just like the reason Lowry would be walking, the other superstars are looking for a ring. The other superstars aren't going to leave a team for money. 
That's just it's it's not going to be like that unless that team is not willing to pay them at all. Because they can the the bargaining agreement is set up so that they make more money with the team they're already at. So leaving that team to go find more money doesn't make sense. So if they're going to leave, it's because they think that team can contend, can realistically contend for a title. And so say Lowry walks and Toronto tries to go for a guy like maybe Chris Paul or Blake Griffin or, um, you know, so, someone of that caliber. What exactly is your pitch when your own guy wouldn't stay and his reasoning was he wants to chase a championship. What kind of like almost excuse are you going to give that player to come to Toronto other than, hey, you can meet Drake and be best friends with him? There really isn't one. You can play with DeRozan. DeRozan's pretty good. He can shoot mid-range. Um, you know, that... He can rebound a little bit. Uh, you can play with Jonas Valanciunas. He can rebound. Sometimes scores a little bit. Uh, you can play with a, a, a really good backup point guard in Corey Joseph. A decent younger player in Norman Powell. So if I'm sitting there on the other side of that table with the GM and this is what I'm hearing. I'm like, you know... Thank you, but I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go somewhere like the Boston Celtics who grabbed the one seed and like without even like a big two or a big three, like the only real star they have is Isaiah Thomas and they still have, they still have a lot of cap room and a top pick coming. So why would I want to go to Toronto? First off, if you want to talk about like being in like the uh, scenery, so if I was, say I was Blake Griffin, why would I want to go from L.A. to live in Toronto? Like just talking about like not even basketball at this point. So if you're trying to sell where the team is, why would I want to move that? Why would I want to move there? That's that's not really a bargaining chip. Really, the only bargaining chip you got is Drake. So I hope whoever you're trying to get is an R&B fan or a pop fan. Because we all know he's more pop than rap. Don't argue on me and don't at me on this. Anyway. So, Toronto has to really decide. If they can't get Lowry back. What are you going to do? Are you are you going into rebuild mode? Are you still trying to stay afloat? Are you still trying to be re- relevant? Just to go get beaten down by another LeBron team or maybe one of the other up-and-coming teams? Like next time maybe Milwaukee will beat you down? And one of the big things, so say they do, say they do keep Lowry. They have to part ways with Damari Carroll. They paid that man a lot of money to be the quote-unquote LeBron stopper because he played a couple good defensive games against him in Atlanta, and he has done zilch for Toronto. 
Nothing. At all. There's been maybe a tiny, tiny bit of positive impact and that's it. And then, on top of that, you're going to have to flip Valanchunas into some kind of decent pick or decent player. Because Valanchunas' kind of center is only going to be good uh, like coming off the bench. You would probably rather have a guy like Abaka as the center. Or at least a big-time defensive center like they used to have in Biombo. So you would rather like flip him into a better player which i mean then you gotta sell the fact that like hey guys take my center who's out of date whose game doesn't really fit today's nba and i mean that's a hard sell too unless you're trying to sell him to like maybe the brooklyn nets but if you're selling him to the brooklyn nets then you have to trade a pick to brooklyn because they're not really in the market for just getting another player that they're not really going to use in the future So, there's a lot of different roadblocks right now that they're going to have to try and fight through to even, like, make this team uh, into any kind of semblance of a real contender or to make them better than they are now. So, this offseason is going to be super important for Toronto, and I'm really, really interested to see what kind of moves they make. So, moving on to the other playoff team, we got the Celtics, who are still battling with the Wizards. Their series is tied 2-2. Two to two. Um, They were trading blowouts for the most part. Uh, you know, they had the one-overtime game where Wall dropped 40, uh, Isaiah dropped 50, um, but even then they started, they ended up winning by like 10 or something like that in, in overtime. Um, and Really, they for the most part, until like this most recent game, there's been like a pattern where the Wizards usually start hot. They're usually up by a lot at the end of the first quarter. And then as the game goes on, it looks like John Wall and Bradley Beal get gassed. And then the Celtics just continue to plug away at the same exact pace they've been going the entire game. And then shots start falling. Isaiah Thomas starts, starts to cook. And then, bam. All of a sudden, the Celtics are blowing them out. Or the Wizards start hot and stay hot. (laughs) It's really been, that's really how it's been so far. And the, I think the most interesting part of this series so far has been the Kelly versus Kelly fight. Now, a lot of people talk, are talking about how Kelly Olenek is a dirty player. Yes, the arm pull and shoulder dislocation of Kevin Love, that was dirty. He was getting boxed out. It looked like he just decided to grab and pull. That that was that was disgusting. Um that was just stupid. But this this pick that Kelly Linux set on Kelly Obrey, I don't necessarily think that it's dirty. Um, he did put a little shoulder into it. Like a lot of people are like, oh, he didn't lean into him, but you can obviously tell, especially if you slow it down, he's standing for the pick and then his right shoulder just goes, you know, he twists a little and puts the shoulder into it. And I don't really consider that dirty unless like he's really launching that shoulder at his head, 
which I didn't really get the sense of that that's what he was doing. Maybe he was. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but it didn't seem like that to me. Um, and I, I don't really claim that as dirty because you see some guys set some very questionable screens. Like, if you ever watched Kevin Garnett set a screen, you could say his screens are dirty every single time. The way he just kind of, like, shoves people or, like, checks people as a screen. Which, I mean, should be a moving screen. But that's just what he does. When you got guys like... I mean, even with... um, When Joakim Noah, like, was in his Defensive Player of the Year uh, uh, status... Um, he would set, he would stand there for a screen, and if the guy was going around him, he would kind of shove him. So, like, there there are a lot of different guys who have different, really kind of quirks to their screens. And so, if you think the Kelly Olynyk screen was super dirty, I don't know what you would call these other guys' screens, because they're a lot of the times usually worse than that. And so, I mean, I respect Kelly Oubre for getting up and standing his ground. A lot of people were calling for a flop on Oubre and or Olenek once Oubre went to go push him. Um, but I, I don't really know. Like, I, I, I saw the, the, the shoulder getting thrown into him. So I could very well see him getting flattened because Kelly Oubre is not a big dude. Kelly Oubre is not some, like like super jacked guy or or just you know like a um huskier dude he's pretty skinny he's pretty thin and with a guy like Olenek who's solid you know like a, a a center's size you can drop a guy like that that's not that's not surprising um if i had to call one of them a flop i would say it's Kelly Olenek because yes Kelly Obrey came in, you know, sprinting at him and 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 pushed him over, but it looks like it really looked like Kelly Linick kind of like, you know, flaunted that a little bit because I don't think Ubre really hit him that hard. Um, and it was funny because I I saw a lot of people who were like tweeting about it, talking about it. And they were saying, oh, you know, that that was dirty by Oubre to hit a defenseless guy. He wasn't even looking. And I was like, that's dumb. Kelly Oubre went straight head on. Like, Olenek was talking to the ref, yes. And he could see Oubre coming at him and looked and Oubre's there. And then Oubre hits him. Like, it's not like Oubre came up behind him and hit him in the head or like, you know, hit him with a stone cold stunner or hit him with the RKO. No, he came face to face and you know, like kind of cross-checked him almost. So, there was no I, it was a disagreement. It was a fight. Um he got suspended for a game, he's going to come back. That's really all that that was. So, there really like isn't too much to talk about over that fight. Um and as far as dirty players go, Olenek can be dirty, but I don't think that was really that dirty. Um, so, moving on, they have a pivotal Game 5 coming up in Boston. So, it's a best of three. Boston's got the home court. 
Boston's been good at home, obviously. They're the number one seed. Usually it means you're good at home and okay or decent on the road. Thing is, both teams have been very inconsistent. And so, really, even with this whole two games in Boston, one game in Washington thing, any of these games can go either way. We have seen the Celtics drop two games at home to the Bulls. The eighth seed Bulls, who have looked like the bottom of the barrel of this season for like half of the season. So there's a lot that can happen here. And if Wall and Beal decide to start connecting again, they could very well lose it. And then that puts them down 3-2 going back to Washington. That is absolutely not what Boston wants to do here. And what I'm what I'm going to say right now is that whoever wins this game 5 will win the series. Whether it be Boston, whether it be Washington, whoever wins this game 5 will win the series. And this whole thing is really dependent upon Isaiah Thomas versus John Wall. Like, this, that is the series. And it's not who can score more. It's not who can assist more. It's a combination of everything. And it's a combination of who can lead their team more than the other one. Who can will his team to play harder, faster, smarter, better than the other person? These are the two stars of each team. These are the main guys. They're 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 it. They're the, they're the superstars. So what we're what I'm looking for here is which one of these guys is going to get their team involved into the game. Their their energy up and get them through the tough points of the game and the good points of the game. Now, of course, Isaiah Thomas has a better supporting cast around him, a better defensive cast around him. But Wall has a team around him that all seems to have a chip on their shoulder. And that is something you can never count out. Now, Say the Celtics do get past this series, what are their chances against Cleveland? My opinion, zero. I don't think they can beat Cleveland. And I don't think the Celtics can beat Cleveland in four out of seven games when they have had some trouble with the Bulls. They've been blown out by the Wizards. They've been blown out. Look, they've, they've been blown out a couple times now by the Wizards. With John Wall, Bradley Beal, you know, Markeith Morris. They don't even, do they really even compare to Kyrie, LeBron, Kevin Love, Channing Fry, Kyle Korver, Darren Williams, J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert? No, they don't. And they've been blown out by those guys. So what do you think a Cleveland team on plenty of rest is going to do to them. They're going to rip them apart. That's what they're going to do. 
So no, even if the Celtics do get past them, I don't think they have any chance. The Wizards, I'll give the Wizards, you know, a little bit better of a chance just because I like the prospects of the John Wall, Bradley Beal duo of winning one or maybe even two games. Maybe. The Celtics, I could, I'll give them one game that they would they would win in that series. Like that I'm that I'm extremely confident about. Like I'm I'm extremely confident the Celtics could win at least one game. But to, when when you start asking me like, what do you think about two games? I'm like, I mean maybe I don't really know. So that's kind of bad, if especially if you're a one seed. Just saying. Anyway, that's it for me, guys. We don't really have any. Uh, News on the non-playoff teams right now. They're not really doing much at the moment because, you know, the offseason really hasn't started. Um, the only thing really is that, you know, Phil Jackson's still putzing around and doing Phil Jackson things and messing up the Knicks. Um, Carmelo is, you know, shooting his shot still with Lala, trying to get back with that. And with the Sixers front, they have, they just announced that Joel Embiid will be representing them at the lottery, which in fact, the lottery is next week. So that will be a big day for these three teams at the bottom of the, uh, Atlantic division. Well, and the Celtics, because you know, Nets pick, because that's cool. Anyway, that's it for me, guys. Thank you for what, for listening to another episode of the Atlantic Files. Make sure you check out our website, basketballsocietyonline.com. We are a part of the Deepish Thoughts Network, so make make sure you check out all of the podcasts in the network as well. And I'll catch you guys next week and later this week for a Fishes Friday rant. Peace.